Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. Today we wanted to bring the church outside of the four walls of the building. Well, the church is the people, it's not the building itself, and uh, to bring it into the community, so we are glad that we can do that today. Okay, now let me just start with a bit of maybe a confession time question first. Who's ever watched Reels on social media? Gee, there's a lot of hands going up out there. Reels on social media. They're basically on every platform, aren't they? You can uh, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, Instagram, the whole lot. And you can type in whatever kind of thing you want to look at for Reels and they come up and then away you go. Now, you don't normally get one or two Reels, do you? You normally get like hundreds. They just keep going on and on and on and never stop. You can watch this sort of feel-good compassion stuff on Reels that lights you up with the goodness and the kindness of of humanity, uh, helping people out in the poorest and most difficult of circumstances. You can find that on Reels, but you can also watch sometimes uh, the worst of humans through their acts of unkindness and even um, evil things at times as well, which make us shudder with despair when we see that. Well, today, as we open up God's Word, we're going to see Jesus use a story of compassion, which is a little bit like a reel. It's a story. A story of compassion that will do an exposing work on our hearts for the love that we should have for our neighbours. Love for God and love for our neighbours as well. Uh, We're going to read today from the Bible, Luke chapter 10. So if you go to your booklet there, you'll see Sermon Passage, and you can open that up to Luke 10, and we're going to read from there. I reckon you're going to beat me too at the way things are going. You've only got to turn one page in there. Okay, so Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verses 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, This is Jesus now talking to the lawyer. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on the oil and the wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. 
Father, we thank you this morning that uh, we can gather here. We thank you, Lord, for the city of Greater Shepherd and giving us the opportunity to come and to use the Queen's Gardens. Uh, we ask and pray now, Lord, you would open up this parable, this story that you've given to us to show us what truly loving you is about and how that should flow into loving our neighbour as well. We ask, Holy Spirit, please soften our hearts, enable us to see, enable us to understand, and I pray that you would bring us closer to you through this, Lord. Father, we ask that, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm just going to flip that over. Well, this is a really well-known story, at least by its title. You would have heard of the saying, the Good Samaritan. Okay, that, that normally we see somebody do a good deed and we say that person was a good Samaritan. Well, that actual saying comes from this story in this parable here that uh, Jesus has got. Uh, Jesus actually often used uh, these parables or stories to communicate really important points or truths that he wanted to communicate to the people as he came and he taught. And these stories had a way of getting to the heart of the issue. These stories really illustrated or graphically opened up something that Jesus wanted to point to in that story. Often it was a way of getting a matter deep within us or at the same time it was a way of exposing our faulty ways of thinking as well that Jesus used these stories for. Perhaps a bit of context would help here. If you're here for the first time, you may not be sure of who's the lawyer and who's Jesus and what's this about. Just a little bit of context here. Uh, The initial person who approaches Jesus is called a lawyer here in verse 25. This isn't so much the courtroom scene with a barrister, lawyer type thing, as in civil law. This lawyer here that the Bible is referring to is a lawyer who knows the, uh, the law of Moses really well and also the traditions that the Jewish people had made around the law of Moses as well. Uh, they were experts, these lawyers, in knowing and interpreting uh, the law and the law of Israel. As I said, this law was made up of God's word, but also uh, they added their own traditions here and that sort of for them incorporated this whole amount of law. Now these Jewish lawyers uh, prided themselves on their knowledge and their strictness in obeying the law. They obeyed it to the nth degree. They didn't fail at all. Uh, They were the ultimate law keepers or do-gooders, looking down upon everyone else who didn't match their standards of keeping God's law and their own traditions at that particular time. Uh, In their minds also, the way to get to God, in the lawyer's mind, a Jewish lawyer, was to do good or obey your way to him. That was how you got to God, by obeying everything God told you to do. Do all the right things before God, tick all the boxes in the right spots, keep out of trouble and then he will accept you and allow you to come into his kingdom. That's how the lawyers saw life and obeying God's law and their traditions around church. Jesus, the other main person, or the main person in this story, uh, that Jesus, the Son of God, he comes along exposing the falseness of this thinking that you can get to God by your own good deeds or by your good works or by your good life. Jesus comes to expose that because that will never work. No one can ever be good enough for God in our own sense to be accepted by him. So Jesus comes to expose that to help us understand we can't do this on our own. So there's two different types of thinking here as we think about what's happening even in this particular passage. The lawyer, he's saying, you can get to God by yourself. You can get to God by doing good deeds. You can get to God by just obeying everything he does, tick the boxes and you're in. Jesus, the Son of God, says, no, I've come to save you because you can't get to God yourself. 
two different approaches here to the Lord. Now, also to help with background here is the Jewish religious people of the day, including the lawyers, didn't like Jesus at all. Not even one little bit. Jesus upset and exposed uh, their false thinking and their hypocritical actions by truly teaching the way of God. And that got up the nose of these Jewish lawyers and their religion. And at this point, at this point of the life of Jesus here, at this point, the, the lawyers and the religious elite were plotting and planning to kill Jesus. They wanted him off the scene. He was upsetting the apple cart too much. Jesus, we want you out of this scene altogether. So they're plotting and planning to kill Jesus at this point in time. If you go to to verse 25 there uh, in your booklet, you'll see there, uh, the lawyer puts him to the test. Puts him to the test. And this is not a VCE exam coming next week, which I know a few people are lining up for that in the next week or so. It's not that. He's wanting to put Jesus to the test because he wants to mock and to shame Jesus and to make him look like a fool. So he's coming here to make Jesus look like a fool. I'm going to put him to a test and expose Jesus for what he is, a fool. This now sets the scene for the parable where we're going to head to today, having some of that background understanding there. What we're going to go for is this. God has shown ultimate love and uh, ultimate love through sacrificial compassion and mercy towards us, regardless of who we are, regardless of who we are, in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. God has shown ultimate love through sacrificial compassion and mercy towards us, regardless of who we are, in Christ Jesus. That's what, that's what we're going to head to as we think about this passage now. Okay, let's start to walk through it. This lawyer walks up and asks Jesus to catch him out, to catch him out. He says, teacher... Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? I've been doing a lot of things. What do I have to do? Now, seems like a harmless question, probably a really good question too, because eternal life, hey, that's a big deal. What do I have to do? But we know where this lawyer is coming from. He's trying to set a trap. He's trying to make Jesus look like a fool. Jesus also knows the angle of where these guys are coming from when they come to him in this particular way. And he's ready for it. So he replies with a question. He answers the question with a question. He says, what is written in the law? How do you read it, lawyer? What is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer responds in verse 27. He says this, and he answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, if we just stop there and looked at that, we would say, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that glorious? Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to live? To love God our Creator with our whole being, with our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind, everything within us, to love this great and glorious God. To know this glorious loving God who's created the earth, has given us this wonderful park where we are today. To know him and to, re- and to love him in return with our whole being. To treasure and worship this God as our saviour, as our Lord, as our sovereign. And then to follow that with loving God, but also to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. To love each other not so much in a romantic way, he's not meaning this in that sense, but in a caring for and seeking the best for each other way of love. To love ourselves like that and to love our neighbour like that. Now, if you think about that particular verse right there, you'd say, 
That's the perfect way to live. Wouldn't that be glorious? Loving God and the whole community loving each other. A community of love. People loving God our creator first and foremost, treasuring him, and then a people living harmoniously in community, committed to and caring for each other through the love of God shown to us. A community that looks out for each other and seeks the best for each other. You'd have to say, isn't that something we all want? Don't we want to be in a community that is like that? Caring for and loving each other in everything we do. That's good, you would think. Well, this is what God desires for all people. It's a loving community towards him and a loving community towards each other. I think we'd all say, bring it on. Let's bring that on. Jesus responds to the lawyer and he says, you've answered well. Go and do this and you'll live. Well, the lawyer's not happy at this point because he's come to mock and to shame Jesus and to make him look like a fool. He's not going quite the way he thought it would go in trying to set Jesus up and to make him look like a dill. So he tries to break down this answer uh, that Jesus is giving him so that his way of thinking will be correct. Okay, go and do this. So, okay, what's it look like? He says to Jesus, well, Jesus, who is my neighbour? trying to define here who is my neighbor jesus who is this neighbor now this should have been a no-brainer it really should have been a no-brainer here everybody is our neighbor we don't draw lines around people or put people in boxes and say you're my neighbor and you're not because if you see what jesus he's got no boxes there he's got no lines drawn everybody is a neighbor it should have been a no-brainer but he wasn't happy the lawyer with this he's trying to still trying to catch jesus out in this way So now Jesus goes on to help this lawyer actually understand and see everybody is our neighbour. Let's have a look at the story then. We see there the man who is travelling down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a well-known road. It's a dangerous road to travel on back in those times. Often robbers would be there hiding out in these rock uh, escarpments and they would just launch on people and bash them and assault them and that's exactly what takes place in the story. Man travels down and he's bashed and stripped and beaten unconscious left by the side of the road by this mob to die. It's all there, half dead. Firstly, Jesus introduces someone coming along. Maybe someone who could rescue and save this beaten man lying on the side of the road. It's a religious priest. You would think the religious priest would surely have the love of God and he would want to reach out and care for this person who's lying there half dead. This religious priest comes along. He has a quick look and says, nope, I'm not going anywhere near that. And he walks off and leaves the man to die on the side of the road. Another person comes along. The next one's a Levite. The Levite, they are temple workers to support the priests in carrying out religious duties. You would think he too would be someone who's got the love of God and he too would want to reach out for this poor man beaten and bashed on the side of the road. He takes a quick look. I'm not going near that. And he walks off and leaves this man here to die on the side of the road. You might ask yourself, why didn't these guys help this poor dying man? How could they walk past him and, as it were, like put him right out of their mind and just forget about him and just... Didn't they think about him as they walked down the road? That guy was dying back there? How could they do that? If you think about it, that's not really loving your neighbour as we'd love ourselves. Surely if that was me there, I would want somebody to come and care for me. They didn't do that. So far for this wounded man who's half dead, it's strike one, strike two. Two people have gone past. He's hoping 
out of the corner of his eye, they'll come to him and they've just walked right by him. Well, Jesus continues on the story here. And he says, next, a Samaritan comes along, he says in verse 33, and the Samaritan sees this half-dying man, bashed, semi-unconscious, beaten, bruised and bleeding on the side of the road there, and he feels great compassion for him. He sees this man and his helpless, and he feels compassion. And what's he do? He immediately goes over. He doesn't sort of stop and think about it. He immediately goes over to provide for him all the care and assistance he can in his helpless state. And in verse 34, what we see there is not the Samaritan just pulling a couple of band-aids out and throwing them on there and I'll just move on. No, you actually see the Samaritan there pull out his first aid kit. Not sure whether they had a defib back then, probably not, but you might have pulled that out as well in case you have a heart attack. Pulls out the whole kit, looks after him, patches him up and gets him all good. Uh, and then next we see him, he lays him on his donkey, takes him to the nearest inn or motel, and again, cares for him again while he's sort of comfortable and lying down and actually makes sure everything's looked after. And further again, he says, OK, to the motel keeper, can this guy stay as long as he needs to till he's fully recovered and I will pay the bill when, he come, when I come back through. I'll pick it all up. I'll do the whole bit. Amazing. Amazing what this Samaritan guy has done. Now, there's some really great points in there about sacrificial and costly love because it would have been a sacrifice. It's interrupted his journey. He stopped. He's gone to a motel and he's paid money. So there's, there's sacrifice and there's costly love there. But I don't think that's Jesus' main point as he's telling this story here, this parable. See, remember the lawyer? He's trying to justify himself. He's trying to define just exactly who is my neighbour. Because this lawyer has boxes. In this box is my neighbours and in this box they're not my neighbours. So the main point here that Jesus is trying to get across here is to say there should be no boxes when it comes to neighbours. But this lawyer is trying to pin Jesus down. Jesus' main point in this parable is captured by saying a Samaritan comes along for the half-dying person. It's a Samaritan. A Samaritan comes to the rescue. Now that point escapes us today unless we understand how the Jews and the Samaritans got along back in Jesus' time. It's really important to understand. That, that helps us understand what the Bible's teaching us here. Samaritans and Jews are bitter enemies. In fact... It's not much different today. Israel and Palestine are bitter enemies. It's the same thing recurring centuries down through the time. They don't like each other. It's only the chapter before this, in chapter 9 of Luke, where Jesus and his disciples come across a Samaritan village in their travels and their wanderings around, and the Samaritans come out of the village and they chase them away because why? Jesus and his disciples are Jews. So these Samaritans chase these Jews away. And after that, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why don't we just call down fire and we'll just torch this whole village? Gives you a little indication here of just the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. Each one thinks the other is no better than a dog. Just giving you the context here of what relationships were like between them at that time. They're not worthy of my care or my compassion. Who the heck helps a Samaritan? That's a waste of time and effort. 
is the background here when it comes to thinking about what's going on. So imagine that, understanding what the word Samaritan means here, imagine that everyone sitting around hearing Jesus as he unpacks this story literally falls off their chair. Falls off their chair. Jesus, no, surely you mean a Jewish man come along and he helped this poor guy half dying on the side of the road. Surely you... Surely, Jesus, you don't mean a Samaritan. No, you, no, Jesus, you must have got that detail wrong. The lawyer's jaw would have dropped open. A Samaritan? No way, that can't be the hero of the story. This is not right. Well, Jesus asks in verse 36, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, proved to be the neighbour to this half-dying man. Well, the lawyer responds in verse 37. Can't help but get this one right. He says, the one who showed mercy. Even in that answer, there's a hint of where the heart of that lawyer is. He can't even say the word Samaritan. That's how much animosity is there. He just says, the one who showed mercy. Can you see what Jesus is doing here with this lawyer? Can you see the way he's trying to expose his heart? This lawyer thinks he's got all the ducks lined up. He thinks he's got all the boxes ticked. He thinks he's got everything right. He's just going to try and put you know, the right people in the right box. They're my neighbour, they're not. But Jesus is doing something here. He's stripping away all the human barriers that we put in place when it comes to loving people as we should, as we've been created to do. He's demolishing all those barriers. He's stripping them all away. He's exposing the heart here of this lawyer. Think about the Samaritan. The Samaritan in Jesus' story doesn't walk up to the half-dying man and says, look, can I just check your ID first before... Oh, you're a Jew. No, no, no. Actually, I hope you die a slow death. He wasn't thinking like that. He didn't do an ID check to sort of see what this guy was up to and what he was doing. See, Jesus actually means this story to confront us as well. It's meant to expose our hearts as well and open us up to see where our love sits. Do we put people in boxes? Are they my neighbours and they aren't? Do we really love all people equally? Do we really reach out and care for all others regardless of who they are? Or do we put them in these boxes? If we're really honest, you and I are no better than the lawyer. We're no better than the lawyer. We can very quickly draw lines around people, put people into boxes and say, I'll give you my care and compassion, but I probably won't give you my care and compassion. See, remember, to love our neighbours, which is everybody, there's no exclusions here, to, as ourselves, is to hold no wrong feelings towards anybody. Anybody. Really big word. It is to care for and want the best for others, no matter what and no matter who they are. Wanting the best and caring for them, regardless of who they are. Think about this for a moment. We just had a referendum about a week or so back. How was our love and care factor for those who perhaps voted differently to us in that referendum? 
When we heard the opposing opinions of those who either voted yes or no and a lot of those social media grabs and perhaps some of the debates we saw, in our minds did we think, what idiot would vote that way? Was that a thought that sort of passed through our mind as we sort of heard that happening? In our minds, did we really love those who perhaps voted differently to us? Or what about this? What about those people in our street, well, who are just downright painful? You know, those ones that are three doors down or four doors down. They've got no regard for other people's property or respect or just even being a good street neighbour on our street. Actually, their dogs bark all night and they don't give a rip about that. And then they let their dogs out and they land landmines all over my front lawn. Those neighbours. What do we think about those people sometimes? Are we sort of hoping the sooner they leave the street, the better? Is that passing through our mind? Or we may have other neighbours on the street. They just dress a bit differently to us. You know, they're covered from top to bottom. They speak a different language and they eat different food. They just live differently. What's our thoughts as we think about those people? Are we wishing they would just move on and leave our country? Or what about this? Even in our own families, in the closest of relationships, it's amazing how we go through seasons of loving and caring for each other within our families. And then there's other seasons we actually can't stand each other. Husband and wife. You know, you can go through a time of great joy and there's other times where you just get on each other's nerves to the point where I can't take this anymore. Are there loving thoughts going through our minds? Are there caring thoughts? Are there compassionate thoughts in that season going through our mind? Parents towards their children as well. Things change in life. Or even between siblings. We were great when we were younger, but now we've actually just blown up and we just can't stand each other. The whole relationship is blown apart. You see, even in the closest of relationships, our nearest neighbours in family, where we hope to find love and care and acceptance, even here, in the closest of relationships, where we try and muster up love towards others, it breaks down. It actually gets stretched to breaking point, And we don't love, we don't have care, we don't have compassion. Here's the problem that Jesus is exposing for the lawyer and also us. We're broken. We're broken. Our hearts are corrupted. Our hearts are shallow and weak. Now, now I fully get this brokenness is to different degrees. Some people in their brokenness are just outright filled with hate and venom. Others are just filled with unkind thoughts. They just express every now and again. So there is different degrees. We all ultimately fail the test to love God and to love each other the way God's called us to do. You see, what Jesus is doing here with this lawyer and us, it's a gracious thing. It's a good thing. It's a, needed, it's a hurtful thing and a hard thing, but it's a gracious thing. Jesus is like a good doctor, a really good doctor, helping us to see exactly where our trouble lies, 
helping us to see where it all originates from, where it all stems from. He's helping us to see there's a complete breakdown within our heart, the very core of who we are. Something's amiss, something's wrong, something's bent, something's broken inside of us that I can say something loving and good on this hand and maybe an hour later or sometimes five minutes later I can actually say something hateful and hurtful. Something's gone wrong, something's broken. See, our love isn't deep and strong, it's shallow and it's weak. We don't love God as we should and therefore flowing out of that is we don't love each other as we should as well. As soon as it breaks down with God, it breaks down in every other area of our life. That's what Jesus is doing here with a lawyer and with us if we're completely honest with what's happening in this situation and in our own lives. So what's the go here? The lawyer and ultimately all of us we need a good Samaritan. We need a good Samaritan. Our heart has been bruised and battered by our sinful choices. We need someone to rescue us from our faulty, broken hearts. We need a good Samaritan. Think about the lawyer. The lawyer really came to promote himself. He came to show how good he was how he ticked all the boxes and how he could even justify himself with who his neighbour was as well. He came to show his good reputation, all his good works. The lawyer came to expose Jesus as a fool. But now Jesus, through his masterful teaching and exposing his own heart, has helped the lawyer to see he's bankrupt before God. Where he thought these boxes could be ticked, he's now seen, I'm bankrupt. I've got nothing to, to give to God to recommend me to him. The lawyer is actually the half-dead person in this story on the side of the road begging for mercy or compassion for someone to come and rescue and save him, particularly in the sense of him thinking he can gain eternal life. I need mercy and compassion if I'm going to receive eternal life. That's precisely who Jesus is. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Where we have failed to love God above all else and then go our own way and give love sometimes and give hate other times, where that's been us, that's not Jesus. Jesus loved God above all else. He never failed the Lord. Jesus perfectly loved God. Never wavering once, no matter what he was facing, no matter what he was going through, no matter what he was facing, Jesus loved God. And not only that, Jesus loved all people regardless of who they were, anybody and everybody. He had no favourites. And the ultimate act of love, of mercy and compassion that Jesus shows for us as the Good Samaritan is demonstrated at the cross. At the cross where he dies in our place because of our sinful choices, because of our sin, because of our broken hearts. At the cross, Jesus shows his love and mercy that we so desperately need for us in our place. Jesus died so that we might be reconciled to God. Jesus died so that we might know God's love and his forgiveness poured into our lives. 
Jesus died that we now, we now might be set free to love others the way God has loved us. This is why Jesus died. To make us into brand new people, to give us new hearts now that with the strength he gives to love God the way we should and to love others the way we should. That's why Jesus died. Let me close here with this beautiful story that we see. And Abby read it for us before out of that uh, previous chapter in Luke. And you would have seen there a woman of the city. A woman of the city came weeping and crying before Jesus in a house where Jesus was invited to. Now you might think, well, what is the woman of the city? Is she just someone off the streets? Well, the woman of the city is a prostitute. She sells her body for sex. Back then considered just low life. Nothing. No value. She was used and abused just like a piece of meat. No one had compassion on this woman of the city. She got what she deserved for all the choices that she made. So no one had compassion or mercy for this woman. Even the Pharisee where Jesus had been invited to, he was ticked off that she would even show her face in this house. How dare you come into my house, you filthy sinner, will be how the Pharisees think at that particular time. Well, how did this broken woman here approach Jesus? If we remember back to that reading, she was a beaten and bruised man like in the parable, crying, broken over her life, knowing that she was destitute, knowing she had nothing, knowing she had nothing to recommend her to God. She was a broken, washed up person. She came as a beggar begging for compassion and begging for mercy from Jesus, the Son of God. Well, how did Jesus respond to her in that story? He didn't kick her away like so many others had, did he? She'd been kicked from pillar to post, but Jesus never kicked her away. He didn't say, look, you don't fit my box, so actually, no, sorry, not today. Jesus didn't do that. No, Jesus loved her with compassion. Jesus loved her with mercy. And he ultimately demonstrated that love to her at the cross, washing away all of her sins, washing away all of her brokenness, to be forgiven and redeemed forever, to be made a brand new person. Jesus demonstrated that mercy and compassion to her at the cross when he died in her place. Why? Jesus was her true and good and ultimate good Samaritan. He is the good Samaritan. So we gather here today, this is what I want to hold out to you today. If you're here for the first time as part of exchanges, we are so glad you're here. But this is the Christ, this is the Jesus, this is the glorious Saviour that we want to hold out to you today as a people who love and serve him. He's the Lord of compassion. He's the Lord of mercy. Jesus is the Lord who rebuilds and restores us into new people. Jesus is the king who builds us into a community that truly love God and truly love each other the way we should love each other. If the truth be known, and you might think this is real simple, this is exactly what Israel and Palestine need. They need to know who God is in truth. If they got that foundation anchored in their lives and believed it in truth and lived it out, that would bring peace to Israel and Palestine. Because he is the Prince of Peace. So we want to hold that Christ at you today. I want to ask you, if you're thinking, actually, I want to know more about who this Jesus is. 
I want to know more about this Bible that just shows these wonderful truths about who Christ is. If that's you today, I would long for you to come and see me after this um, service today. Or talk to the person who's invited you along today. Or you'll see others around with blue uh, lanyards on. Come and see them and they'll point you in the right direction to come and connect with us because we would love to invite you to know who this Christ is and to know the life that he gives in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that we can gather here today and be here in this park. Lord, to open up your living eternal word and to see what wonder and what glory it is to see a glorious saviour in Jesus, our good Samaritan, the good Samaritan. Lord, for those today, God, maybe they just thought, maybe I can be a good person and God will take me as a good person. God, I pray today you've just opened their hearts up to see that's not going to work. We're not going to cut up with that. We need someone to rescue and to save us. Lord, maybe those who have come today and they are broken. They know it and they feel battered, they feel bruised. Father, I pray today, please, would you let your spirit open their hearts up that they too can come to Jesus to find healing and forgiveness and restoration and redemption in their lives. We ask, Lord, please, would you call people into your kingdom today to know your love, to know your joy, to know your peace, to know your forgiveness. Lord, we ask that, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.